A thought occurred to me um, that uh, for a couple of months, um, typically I, I can tell who's around me, and, and uh, just during the song service, like I, I can tell when Tim is up right behind us. I'm, okay, I, I'm going to have to not sing bass because we're going to have too much bass over here, uh, and we're going to kind of you know like a subwoofer kind of situation going on. Uh, and, and for the last, I'd say, month or so, uh, Chris Buto hasn't been here. So uh, I haven't, okay, um, too much tenor or too much, yeah. Uh, so uh, we're looking forward, I think, to the, to the time when, uh, I know there's the Weatherleys haven't been with us. So we're looking forward to the time where uh, we, we have the, the full complement, uh, I think. And um, just, it's been a noticeable absence, I think. And we're getting close, I think, so... Uh, we're starting a, a, a new series called uh, Buzzwords here, and um, I'm going to just turn this on. Or are we still, nothing's working, is that, is that correct? Okay, so I'm just going to have to hope that uh, we got everything working. Well, we got the printer working, I think, so that's good. Um, so I guess there's a mandatory one thing can work at a time. When we came back to the United States... Um, we began the process of looking for a church to work in. Uh, that was in 2014. And we were st- so we were looking for churches, and that kind of meant looking at, um, you know, the various universities, uh, Christian universities, and, and looking for job uh, openings and, and on, on various message boards and things. that We looked at Hardings, and I, I might have been Hardings that we even got this one through. And I, I had a number of interviews lined up. Because we were traveling across the country, so I'm like, well, I'm good at this weekend, and this weekend, and this weekend, so, and we were in Cincinnati right before we were here, and so we, we kind of worked our way across. This was my last one, which was good, uh, but, but in the process of looking at these, it was really funny looking at some of the, the, the job descriptions, uh, and so there were some where, uh, you know, it was like, okay, I, I figured this out. I'm like, eh, I'm not interested in that. But there were some that I had no idea what they actually wanted me to do. Because they had all these buzzwords in them. The, the buzzwords is this, the, the jargon, jargon words. And um, uh, words that probably have a meaning. Uh, maybe someone made this word wanting to have a communicate a concept but in time what happens is some people like to sound smart and so they start using these words all the time they might know what it means it might not know what it means and uh and but it, it sounds catching it sounds like i'm educated and it sounds and that's a buzzword we're going to look at some of these buzzwords uh what we're going to find out is actually that, that the concepts that they represent are really old and there's perfectly good English words already in the English language for them, for the most of them. Not, not, I mean, if it's related to a new technology, that's obviously, uh, you know, uh, that, that's not accurate. But, uh, but, but for the most part, we're going to see that, that really these are old ideas and, and, and not really, not creative at all. We're not going to dwell on the people who use buzzwords, but we want to look at the ideas. And uh, there was one, one of the churches, I, I actually emailed them, and I, and I said, I, I don't know what you want me to do, 
but your position is only offering $15,000. You've got entirely way too many buzzwords in this description for $15,000. I'm like, that, that's crazy. Uh, you really you should let people know what it is you want them to do. Um, we're going to talk about one. You know, like that one, paradigm. You know, my son says, what's a paradigm? And then you hear that all the time, a paradigm, this paradigm. And <clears throat> apparently the only thing you can do with a paradigm is what? It's the only thing you can do with a paradigm is shift it. Right? That's the only way you can affect a paradigm. You can't change a paradigm or you can't break a paradigm. Like, like, they only shift. Right? That's just the buzzword. What does a paradigm mean? Well, you're going to be surprised. This is actually a very old word. It's, a, it's, a, a, it's like five or six hundred year old word. Uh, you think it's new. And it's just a Latin word that means model or example. That's all it is. Uh, Cam preached about, oh, a sermon in our absence uh, about being unprecedented, right? Uh, or who was talking about that in the message. And I, I, I was listening to it and I thought, this true, there's really not that many things in life that are unprecedented. There's really nothing new under the sun. Uh, and, and, and having a new model, changing the model or shifting the paradigm is really kind of an old idea. And in fact, people who think that they're shifting this model are, are really mistaken. There was one person that really, really changed the entire paradigm. And that's Christ. And, and you'll find that since Christ, that's when people copy him. And, and, and we're going to look at three ways that, that this happens. And, and the first way is, of course, by innovating. You heard that one too. Uh, innovating. If you're not in a business world or you're not around this, maybe you don't hear this too much. But 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 I know Bruce is like, oh boy, uh, and, and probably David. Like you hear these words and like, oh my goodness, would you just say what you want? Uh, innovating. What does that mean? Uh, innovating just means coming up with a new way to do something. See, it's, you can really do it. Have you ever heard that game? It's, it's called like it's like caveman something. I don't. What's the name of that game? But you have to say everything in, I guess what it is, in one syllable. You really can do this in one syllable. You don't need big fancy buzzwords. Uh, but it just means, uh, uh, to innovate just means to change. To do in a new way. And we think of technologies. And over the last 20 years, a, a, a touch screen really has changed the way things are done. That, that is an actual innovation. Now, not all innovations are a product. Not, not all things, we typically think of those types of things that, that change the way. Uh, it might be a service. Because of what we've gone through the last couple of years, right, doctors are now realizing that a lot of what they've done, they can do on a computer screen. Like, you don't have to come into the office. We can kind of do a wellness visit right here. <laughs> Oh, we've innovated this new thing. No, actually, it's an old idea called a house call. Except we just do it with a camera. House calls are old. You didn't go and always see your doctor at a hospital. It's an old idea, and we think we've innovated it. Not really. Um, and so I want to talk about the concept of a kingdom. Over... Uh, a hundred verses in our Gospels are related to the idea of a kingdom. And a kingdom, of course, is not a new idea. As soon as there was a hill of dirt, 
Cain and Abel played King of the Hill. That just happened. Right? As soon as there are two people, one of them wants to be in charge of stuff. That's all it takes. It's an old idea. Now, the kingdoms might have been smaller. They might have looked different, but, but a kingdom came into to being. In fact, uh, there's a guy by the name of Nimrod, who, I know, yes, uh, unfortunate name. He set up a bunch of them. He just walked around, and he went around, like, here's a new place. I'll set up a kingdom here. And I'll set one up over here. He set up, like, like 10 of them. Like, he, he really wanted to be a big guy. He had big dreams of establishing kingdoms. And so it's not a new idea. But Jesus revolutionizes the concept. Um, and I want to turn to John chapter 18. John chapter 18. And we're going to begin in verse 33. <clears throat> and here he's talking with Pilate. And Pilate entered the praetorium. And he called Jesus. Jesus said to him, are you, and he said to Jesus, Are you the king of the Jews? And Jesus answered him, Are you saying this on your own behalf? Or did others say this about me? And Pilate said to him, I Jew, your own nation and your chief priests have delivered you to me. What have you done? So Jesus answered, he says, my kingdom is not of this world. My, if my kingdom were of this world, my servants would fight so that I should not be delivered to the Jews. But now my kingdom is not from here. So you are a Jew then. Or you are a king then. Sorry, my glasses. Uh, Jesus answered, you rightly say that I'm a king for this cause I was born, for this cause I've come into the world, that I should bear witness of the truth. Everyone who is of the truth hears my voice. And so Jesus revolutionizes the concept of a spiritual kingdom. Uh, he's the first one really to do this, to have a conquest but to do so without weapons, to do so without typical warfare. To think about what Jesus accomplishes. Just let your mind grasp for a moment the changes in the world over the last 2,000 years. To understand that they said there was a... Britain's great tagline was that the sun never set on the British Empire. That was their great state because it was... I mean, they governed China and India, and then they had the colonies. And, and somewhere, the sun was always shining on a property that belonged to Britain. Yeah, they were second in line. Because Christ did it first. Christ is the first one to go global. And people think they come up with these ideas. Britain probably thought, whoa, it's a new idea. We've, we've done it first. No. No. Christ, Christ did it first. And so he revolutionizes this idea of a spiritual kingdom. No religion or entity has ever been a part of a conquest without weaponry. Not even Judaism. Even Judaism went into a place and said, okay, we're conquering you first, then we'll teach you the ideas. 
But, but Christ says, I'm, I'm going to do this different. Peter, put your sword away. We're doing this without weapons. And he tells Pilate, listen, if I had that kind of a kingdom, we would be fighting right now. But we're not fighting. This is a new, innovative concept. There's been religion based on philosophy and, and various things like that, but none of them operated. If you think about and go back to the ones that were philosophical ideas, they were not very missionary-based. They, they weren't concerned with that. Buddhism and Judaism, they were very content with where they were. So they were philosophical ideas, but they didn't have the idea of a conquest of the world. It's interesting. Jesus is the first one to combine all of these ideas. I want to look at the next one. Uh, you've heard this. Ah, reimagine. Let's reimagine things. Uh, so, again, this is a very simple cliche. Uh, and it simply means to think something new. Right? I, I, I'm going to think about it differently. Apparently, the word rethink was not educated and, and elite sounding enough, so we had to reimagine it. Right? You can't just rethink something. Really, when you get down, as we've already been talking about, things that are reimagined are really, we could say, repackaged. Right? Let's change the packaging. Let's change the way it looks. It's not really that different. It's, it's just dressed up different. And we go, ooh, look at that. We're so clever. We're going to reimagine the iPhone, which means we're going to put another camera on the back. That's what it means now, right? Man's problem is that we really don't have much of an imagination. Oh, we think we do. I talk about our kids' imagination. But really, humanity has a very limited imagination. The new things that we think up are adaptations of, of old things. And oftentimes this means just going back to an old way. I mean, think about it. For years, our phones did what? They got smaller. I mean, they used to be a big box that hung on a wall, right? And we got smaller, then we had the big, heavy, 10-pound thing, right? And, and, uh, and then they got smaller, and then they looked like a brick, right? And then we could, we could walk around with a brick. Uh, you remember those? And then, then we got down... Uh, I had a phone, and they got down with the flip phones, and they were really small. I, got, I had a phone. We were in Ukraine, and I had a phone that I had to do this with. <laughs> they got really small. I, I, can, I can hear you. I've got to say something. I'm talking to you, but I got, I, now I got to, they got so small that we, now what we're doing, we're getting bigger again. Now we're people walking around with a big phone. So it's that big, but now we're walking around with it and trying to, like, it doesn't fit in my pocket. This is a problem. They don't fit in our pocket. I read an article online. Pants aren't made with pockets big enough for phones now. They're just going back to the way things were. Innovating. I'm innovating the phone. Well, <clears throat> Jesus reimagines something to do with his kingdom. In Matthew chapter 5, and 
This is a, a scripture we've all memorized at one point or another at a, at a camp or in a Sunday school. You know this well. But there's really a, a detail in Matthew 5. We're going to begin in verse 3. We're really only going to look at, at one thing or, or one section of this, but we're going to read the whole thing. He says, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. And those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be filled. Blessed are the merciful, they shall obtain mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. I want to look at the first three of those. And there's something interesting in, to me in this beginning section. And what Jesus reimagines here is something that nobody would do up until Jesus. It's happened since. But uh, up until this point, really, in humanity, no one has an army based on and geared towards the undesirables in society. No, no one has a conquest that says, I'm going to focus on, on the people that are not, they're kind of just off on the sides, in the periphery of, of humanity. And, and you look at the first three, and Jesus says, you know what we're going to do? We're going to take the poor in spirit. Poor in spirit, who's that? He's not talking about poverty, but that would, that would work. That would produce this. Poor in spirit is like depressed. Kind of. Downtrodden. Overstressed. Whatever, whatever words you want to put in there. But the, the people who are just having emotional issues. You know, you, you're running a, you're gonna, I'm going to start a Fortune 500 company. You know what I want to do? I want to really look for the people who I have in like, major trouble at home. That's probably not going to work. Right? That's not a good business model. Jesus, that's who I'm aiming for. That's the first group he lists. Blessed are those. Because they are going to... There's his, uh, excuse me, the kingdom of heaven. That's the first group I want. The second group is those who mourn. These people have grieving issues. We went through uh, a session... Of healing hearts. We've got another one coming up, by the way. Uh, uh, if you are interested or know someone that is interested, that's just kind of connected to our, our idea. But to take people who are grieving, when, when, when a person is grieving, they're pretty much in their issues right now. My problems. It's really difficult for them to see beyond their traumatic world. And God says, oh yes, this group. This is the next group I want to really be a part of this conquest. A, a, a group of people that really don't, don't have their own world together? Yeah, that's who I want. And, and then the third group, the meek. Now, meek means a lot of things, and it doesn't mean weak. But it's kind of like between shy and humble, quiet. Right? 
When you hear the word meek, you are not talking about a person that wears the power tie. Right? I'm in charge. I walk into the room. and I, That is not a meek person. And, and if you want to start a movement, that's the type of people. You want a Napoleon kind of guy to take charge and we're, we're going to make this thing. We can take it off. And all the jargon, right? And God says, no, I want meek people. Who would do this? He has cited his first three things that he wants are things that any rational idea person would say, you're going to kill everything you're trying to get off the ground. God says, watch me. I've reimagined. And it works. Works. Jesus knows a few things, of course. He knows, first of all, all those, all those wonderful things that you want in people, there's really not a whole lot of those people around, first of all. You know what there's a lot of? There's a lot of grieving people. There's a lot of people dealing with things that bring their spirit down. There's a lot of that in the world. And you can tap into that. You're going to have a pretty successful ministry. It's simply a numbers game. And this is why Jesus conquests around the world. Because no matter where you go under the sun, people have that in their life. And it appeals. His message appeals to that. And these people also realize that everything they've tried has not fixed their problems. See, the person who's got everything under control and, and their life is going along just great, and they can convince themselves, they're wrong, but they can convince themselves that they've done it for themselves. And so the, the, what Jesus is trying to bring to them is really not that appealing to them. Other people, they can't get away from it. They know. I've tried everything. Nothing's worked. This is important. We're talking about, and, and remember, we're going through this, the first half of this year or so, we're going through how we present things to the world, our public faith. These are the ideas that Jesus had his successful ministry with. This is really what we need to be doing. We need to be looking for the people that have a need that Jesus fills but recognize. I'm not saying that we can't talk to people if they make too much money. or well, Obviously, that's ridiculous. But I'm saying Jesus, when he conquested the world, he did so targeting the people that were left behind by the rest of society. The last one. Oh. We will talk about a dynamic. Ooh, the dynamic. Now, this, uh, this meaning depends on how you is it an adjective. He's a dynamic person or whatever. But the word comes from our word dynamite, right? And it comes from a very old Greek word. And we're going to look at a word. Romans chapter 1. You've heard this before. Romans 1.16. And 17, I'm not ashamed of the power of God, or of the gospel of God, is the 
power unto salvation, right? The word power is the word dunamis, dynamite. The word dynamic as a noun, which we're going to talk about, is simply a, a word that refers to a force or an influence. Right? And so, so we'll talk about there's an interesting dynamic working in, in amongst this or whatever, or, or there, there are various dynamics of this situation. We're, we're talking about the various elements within an environment or a situation that are affecting everything. That's called the dynamic. It just means an influence. He says, in this gospel, right, it's revealed. Righteousness is revealed. And so, this is our first dynamic, the gospel. And so, <clears throat> it is a campaign. It's based on ideas. It's, it's based on order, but of what order? Righteousness. Most, this is the first time in history that a campaign has produced. Right? I mean, eventually they do, but any other time you go in in conquest, what do you do? You burn it down. I mean, you might build on top of it, because I want it to look better. But, but you go in and you burn it down. Jesus is the first one to say, no, we're not going to burn it all down. I, I want to destroy everything. Jesus comes in right away and he says, this is based on order. This is a different kind of a conquest that I have. His thought is completely different. He's got a different dynamic. And it's based on order. It's based on righteousness. You think about... The effect of Christ in the world. Every other place in the world that we go to, right, we go here and there, and, and what do we do? We look at the ruins of their civilization. We look at the disorder. We say, this probably was pretty at one time, but you know, here's a half of a building. Wow, the Colosseum. Right? <laughs> and we're impressed by that. But, but think about what Christ has done in the world. Any type of civilization that has happened, any type of like, making a society better, that's been done through Christianity. That's been done through the gospel. It's been done by teaching concepts and ideas of Christianity. Love one another. Love God. Like all this is this is what makes the world better. It is Christianity that has taught the world the value of humanity. While other conquests were just murdering. Christ says no value of humanity. And here's another one. Mark chapter fourteen. This is our last one. Mark chapter 14. <clears throat> and Ray referenced this this morning. Verse 22. 
As they were eating, Jesus took bread and he blessed it and broke it and said to them, Take, eat, this is my body. He took the cup and when he had given thanks, he gave it to them and they drank from it and he said, This is my blood of the new covenant which is shed for many. Assuredly, I say to you, I will no longer drink of the fruit of the vine until that day when I drink new in the kingdom of God. New idea. I'm going to die and we're going to win. Up until this point, you want to stop something in its tracks, kill the leader. Right? Assassinate. Assassinate the emperor. Huh? There we go. Everything's doing. We've got a, we're, we're, the paradigm has shifted. Because we've got a new emperor. And we're going this direction now. The Caesar, the Pharaoh, the whatever in history. We kill and it changes and we get what we want. Jesus says, try that with me. I've got a different way of doing things. Even Peter's like, you can't die. You, you can't die, Jesus. There's one thing here that we can't allow. Because we got things going good. No, Peter, you don't understand. This is how we win. What? New idea. Never been tried before. No one has ever dared try this before. I'm going to die, and we're going to win. Different. There's another thing that's different here. You say, well, there's been sacrifice before. Right? Sacrifices have happened. Blood has happened. Again, pray. Ray referenced that, the blood of bulls and goats, all that stuff, that, 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 didn't, that didn't do anything, right? So, so there's been sacrifices before, but I want you to think about the sacrifices. There's one concept that's different in sacrifices. Up until this point, the sacrifices, even the ones God wanted, I'm not talking about the pagan ones, I'm talking about the ones that God says do this, they were done by humans to appease God for God's benefit, or they thought for God's benefit. God tells them later, I really didn't really care about it, but I just wanted you to do this to get an idea. But Jesus changes it because now God sacrifices himself to benefit humans. It is completely upside down from every sacrifice in the history of humanity, Jewish or pagan. It is not a sacrifice by humans for God. It is a sacrifice by God for humans. There's never been one like it before or since. I don't trust it. I'm going to start something. I'm not going to start it by dying. I'm going to get this off of the ground and I'm not going to be here for it. Completely different. New idea. Now we look at how Jesus revolutionized the word, world. Excuse me. <clears throat> there are some of these that will be tried afterwards. Because people don't innovate. They just imitate. Oh, there will be more mission-based ideas to try to take over the world, right? 
Islam is about to come into the world. And that'll be one. Jehovah's Witness, Mormonism. Like, there's lots of ideas that, that try to spread and take over. But they're just copying Jesus. He's the first one. There will be movements that follow Jesus' model of trying to tap into the lower classes of people. The French Revolution, the Bolshevik Revolution. Jesus did it first. You're just copying. Our public faith, as we said, takes is designed or should be designed based on what Christ showed us. A willingness to give up our preconceived ideas and our natural priorities, the way we want to do things. We even talked about this in our, our class. We, we exclusively buy into the way we do things physically. And God says, you've got to give that up. This is a spiritual kingdom. You've got to give up the way. I mean, I, again, there, <coughs> we, we gave this thought in, in the morning, is, is that, yes, there are natural remedies and there are natural solutions to things, and that's fine. But, but when it, something requires a spiritual solution, that is not the time to try to fix it with the way that we like to do things. It's, it's, it's time to tap into a, a different way. To buy into spiritual answers. When, when the physical ones seem so persuasive. I'm, I'm so capable. I'm so intelligent. I, we can solve this with this or that. God says... The, the problem in the world is, is spiritual. And that's how we're going to have to conquest with spiritual things. Not excluding any group, of course. But understanding the group that Jesus himself targeted. That, that Jesus, people, this, this kingdom, this spiritual kingdom has to win by addressing deep Spiritual needs. Those are the valuable needs. And, and you're going to find that those are more common amongst the undesirables of society. Because they don't got it together and they know it. And always, always, always relying on Christ's blood and his message as the power these are the greatest influences in the society and in humanity's history. We, we look and say, we, we want to contribute so much. We, we want to add ourselves into the story. That's just our nature. And Chris is just, you know, um, there's a, any, any marketing thing, there's a, any marketing firm will say, we have a syllabus, right? This is the syllabus. Just don't stray off of this. Say these words. I get a, I get a robocall, and I'm, I'm, I'm asking her questions. And, and you can tell she, she's got a script in front of her, and she cannot stray from that script. She finally told me. She says, I kind of have the things I have to say. She just told me that. Because I, like, I, I was like, I, I thought it was a computer voice. And it was, I was like, Are you, is this a human I'm talking? Yes, I'm alive. Tell, telemarketer. I, just, I have scripted responses. That's what she told me. I'm like, okay, I'm not interested. 
They have a thing. Work the system and you'll get so many sales for so many calls or whatever. Work the system. Listen, this is the system. Jesus revolutionized the world with it. Don't stray from the script. Don't add things that you think should be added. Don't be ashamed of this. This script works. It won't affect everybody, but it works. This is what Christ revolutionized the world. This is the new paradigm, if you like buzzwords.